You cannot tell a woman how her body feels in the gym throughout the month. Only she can tell you that. And the thing is, is every woman's cycle is going to have a different characteristics. Some people actually feel really energized in their menstrual phase versus really tired in the ovulatory phase. So this isn't about telling women like, oh, you have to do it this way. It's about here's the information. Here's how your body is working. Here are some options. And what can you do to optimize your experience? Welcome to She Leads First, a podcast for female entrepreneurs who are ready to build a brand that will become a revenue generating machine. Hey guys, I'm Emily Sincata, a brand and business strategist with years of experience in both marketing and online product development. Each week, myself and my guests are going to share our own experiences and knowledge with you so that you can figure out exactly what about your brand is going to keep people coming back for more. You'll leave this podcast equipped with the confidence to tackle those big goals that are going to scale the impact of your brand and your bank account. It's time for you to embody that CEO energy and start leading first. After all, you're building more than just a business. You are building a movement. In today's episode, I had the distinct pleasure of interviewing Courtney of Courtney Keeping Balance. You guys may already know her. She has a pretty significant and impressive brand and following online, but Courtney is all about cyclical fitness. And today she is teaching us all about it inside of this episode. And she's gracious enough to even share with us what it was like building her brand to where it is now, how she got started, what it's been like to have an audience of over a hundred thousand people watching her as she pioneers this new field that you're going to learn all about today inside her interview. For those of you who don't know Courtney, Courtney is a registered nurse, a personal trainer, and a mom of two young boys. You guys, they are adorable. As a lifelong athlete and former ER nurse, she started the Keeping Balance Method to help women stay active while preventing burnout. She specializes in training with the four menstrual phases for efficient and effective training that allows women to embrace their strength all cycle long. We dive all into it today and you guys are going to be so empowered by the information that she shares and Courtney does share so openly and so graciously with all of us. I know you're going to love this episode. Let's get started. Courtney, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello, Emily. It is good to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited that you're here, and I'm really excited for our conversation today. You guys, if you don't know Courtney, which if you are in the online space and you are into cycle syncing and cyclical fitness and all of that good stuff, you probably already know her. You probably already know this lovely lady and her beautiful face. She's built an incredible brand online, which we are definitely going to talk about today. But first, for anybody who might not be familiar, Courtney, can you just introduce yourself to us and let us know what it is that you do? Tell us what KBM is. Yes. So KBM stands for Keeping Balance Method, which is a training methodology that I developed based off of the menstrual cycle. So I am a fitness nurse, which means that I'm a registered nurse, but I'm also a certified personal trainer. So I use fitness as a means for my clients to help them heal and as their main modality of maintaining their health and fitness. And I have found that for women, using the menstrual cycle as a template is just absolute gold for ensuring that you get the most out of your workout because we're all so busy and we have a million things going on. So it's about efficiency, but it's also about preventing burnout because so many women are coming off of diet culture and they're coming off of birth control. And then we're just in this place where we're super overwhelmed with A, our bodies and B, like, what do we do when it comes to pursuing our health and fitness goals? What's realistic? And so using your menstrual cycle as a template and understanding and really leaning into body literacy is so empowering, but it's also a really effective and sustainable way to maintain your health and fitness. So that's what I do. I teach that methodology in an app called KBM, and it's where women can get workouts on demand and work out with their cycles. I love that. And I love that you used the term body literacy because that's totally what it is. It, it's right. getting to know your body better and what's going on. And let's do a quick overview for people too of the, uh, what are the phases of a menstrual cycle, right? Like what does that mean when we're talking body literacy? How do we break that down? 
Sure. So when it comes to the menstrual cycle, most women just think, oh, your period or the days you're bleeding and then you're not bleeding as if when you're not bleeding, nothing else is going on. But it that's the furthest thing from the truth, because the actual menstrual phase is really just the culmination of the the rest of the month. It's the it's the kind of end point. So what is happening is throughout the month, you have four different phases. First, you go through the follicular phase, which is right after you start stop bleeding. And so that is when your body is gearing up to package up the perfect egg for ovulation. And that's about a week, give or take. Then you reach the ovulatory phase. That's when you have your fertile window. You're probably seeing a lot of fertile cervical mucus. You're feeling really energetic. You probably have a high libido, which makes sense given that you're fertile. (laughs) And then after you ovulate, 24 hours uh, after you ovulate, you move into the luteal phase. That is when your body assumes that you have fertilized that egg and it starts to make efforts to prepare your uterus for implantation and then sustaining a pregnancy. So throughout that about a week of the early luteal phase, you're going to feel that your metabolism shifts. You maybe have a drop in libido. Your energy might decrease just a little bit and your metabolism is working faster. So you're going to be hungrier. And then If you haven't conceived, then you will have a period and that is your menstrual phase. And then the cycle repeats itself. Yeah. Our bodies are so interesting. And one of my favorite things that you do on your Instagram and on your stories is when you do polls and little quizzes around what is happening in the female body and do you understand what this phase means? And have you ever heard of this before? I think you did one the other day that was like, how many days out of the month can you actually get pregnant? Because that's a big misconception that we've honestly been taught incorrectly, or at least I was in school. And all this to say, like, that was my journey into starting to learn about this. And you are, you know, so much more and are so far and beyond my education on this. But I think it's so interesting. And I want to hear more about how you got into this. And I just want to share as context for me, like I I started to pay attention to my cycle when I had been on hormonal birth control for a couple of years. And I started to just notice I had these symptoms that were very underlying and just wouldn't go away. And I just had this, call it female intuition, I guess, where I was like, something's off. And I think it might be these birth control pills. And I went into the doctor to talk about it. And he basically was just like, no, I don't think that could be your pills. Like, I don't think that could be it. But I just had this like deep down gut feeling was like, but I really think it is like something just feels off. And so I started the journey of getting off of them. And in that I had to learn, okay, what might happen to your body as you come off of these pills that you've been on for years? And then what do you actually want to pay attention to in your cycle? So that's my journey into starting to learn about my body. How did you get into this field? What was your entrance into this? Yeah. So first of all, Emily, your story is one that I've heard echoed time and time again, Mm. unfortunately. But the thing is that your body is never wrong. And especially when it is sending you really strong signals, that is that is how your body communicates with you is by giving you that that nudge or that that intuition, as you called it, of something is off. And so the ability to listen to that is truly the first step for anybody wanting to embark on this. But for me, it my sort of relationship with my cycle goes way back to when I was a teenager. I was put on hormonal birth control originally because I had lost my period from overtraining in gymnastics, Mm. which is so backwards because the way hormonal birth control pills work is by eliminating the cycle. So it cuts off that communication between your brain and your ovaries. And so you don't actually have a period when you are on the pill, you have a withdrawal bleed. It's a pseudo bleed. And the reason that it's built into the pill pack is because doctors originally believed that women would be pretty alarmed by not bleeding every month. And so they put that placebo week in there to give women a withdrawal bleed. So super backwards that my doctor put me on the pill to induce a period when it was truly just a pseudo bleed. But then I started to notice that every month I would get really intense, wild mood swings to the point where I thought that my life was crumbling. I thought that I needed to leave everything and everyone, thoughts of running away, 
when I had a boyfriend every month, I wanted to break up with him. And I mean, eventually that was the right decision. But (laughs) (laughs) needless to say, this this isn't a normal representation of how women should feel throughout the cycle. And so I eventually was diagnosed with premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is a little bit like PMS in that it happens right before your period, but it's different in that it's a, it's an abnormal response in the brain to progesterone. And it's, it's a response, not just the hormones themselves. So that's when I started to notice there's a true connection between how we experience our lives day to day and our cycles. And my mom used to always tell me, she said, pay attention to the moon. When, what is the moon doing when you're feeling these symptoms? And I originally was just like, Oh, you know, this is silly, but you know, it's Mm -hmm. no coincidence that the moon cycle is 29 days and the average menstrual cycle length is 29 days. You know, we are all creatures of, of this earth and we are bound by cycles, right? So fast forward to me becoming a mother. I had this athletic background. I was truly fearful that when I became a mother, I would lose the athlete in me, that I would just be so busy and preoccupied with you know work and, and kids that I would lose that part of me that really made me me, which is being an athlete. And not just because I had a difficult labor and delivery and I had prolapse and all these different physical changes where I thought my body was, you know, quote unquote, ruined, but the, the timing it of all and managing it all. So I was really interested in looking at ways to enhance that and looking at ways to reprimand that. And how could I, how could I put fitness back into my life in a way that felt meaningful still at where I could still hold on to that piece of me, but that was still going to allow me to show up the best that I could for my kids. And so just by chance, I was pregnant with my second child, Kellen, and I came across research from Dr. Stacey Sims. And she has been one of the pioneers in leading research on this topic of how women's bodies respond differently to exercise and the different considerations for training for females when it comes to performance, yes, but then also recovery throughout the different menstrual phases. And so I was starting to read her research and I was like, whoa. So then all these light bulbs started going off and I started to connect all these dots of how I used to feel training in gymnastics, um, even training in CrossFit, where there would be times where I just couldn't recover the same, where some days Mm -hmm. I felt super, super motivated and other days I just didn't want to even think about exercise. I just wanted to be horizontal the whole day. But at the time, my interpretation of that was that I was lazy, that I wasn't good enough, and that I just had to keep pushing harder, right? So I thought of it as pretty much a personality flaw and not my biology. And so when I started to click all these things together, that's when I realized that I could actually reframe and redefine consistency for me. And I could still hold on to the athlete in me by just going with my own physiology. And I thought, hey, let's just play with this. Let's just see how it feels. And I got my cycle back postpartum. I was lucky enough to literally get my period two weeks after I stopped bleeding from delivery. <laughs> mm. But, and that's pretty atypical. Usually some women, it takes up to a year, year and a half, especially if you're exclusively breastfeeding just because of those hormones that suppress ovulation. But my body was like, no, we are going to start cycling. Let's go. And so I was like, perfect, let's try this. And I started to very simply implement some cyclical applications. And I was one year later, the most consistent with exercise I had ever been in my life. And I was like, I, I just have to talk about this. Wow. So is that the moment where the brand became born? At what point were you like, I got to share this on the internet? When did you step into the realm of like, okay, now we're making content about this. Other people have to know about this. Yeah. So there were a couple of things going on side by side, actually. So at the time I was experimenting with cyclical fitness, I was also, you know, a new mom of two. So I had a one-year-old and then a newborn. And that was a wild time. But then we had also just moved like three times across the country because my husband was in the army. And so Mm -hmm. I left my job working as an emergency room nurse at the bedside. And I was just in this completely new realm of my life. New mom of two, new career for my husband in a state where I knew nobody and then left my career. And I'm someone who's always dreamed big. And whenever I have ideas or dreams, it's on a large scale, a big scale. And so I kept feeling 
I mean, for a lack of a better word, bored, right? <laughs> I wanted to do mm-hmm. something um, and I needed something for me because for me, motherhood was a little bit of a jarring transition in that it was a big culture shock for me, just the loss of independence and, and all that. It was really difficult for me to kind of ease into motherhood. And so I needed something different for myself. I needed to find that piece of me again, not just like the athlete part, but also the part of me that really loved to teach and inspire because being a bedside nurse, that was my favorite part about helping patients was educating. And so I just had this hunch to start an Instagram account and I didn't know what, what, what a niche was. I didn't know what I was even doing. I just (laughs) knew that I had to just get online and start sharing things. (laughs) That's it. And so originally my Instagram name was mama keeping balance because I was so engrossed in that world of motherhood that I thought I was going to start sharing things and tips and health tips for new moms and talking about fitness and nutrition. Cause I also have a, my first college degree was in community health and nutrition. So I kind of wanted to bring all of this together. I was talking about a little bit of everything. And then the second I started to talk about cyclical fitness, my DMs, my comments just started to bing, 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 bing. I was like, oh, this is what people are interested in. This is something really concrete that people want to learn about. It was so much more than just, you know, inspirational content of let's go do a workout together. It was actually something really specific. And that's when I was like, oh, this is how Instagram works. And so then I started to talk about this more and more and more. And I think I had been posting reels every single day for seven straight months and my follower count just didn't budge. And I was like, this is frustrating as heck, but I didn't have any other option in my brain except for this to succeed and for this Mm -hmm. to blow up. That was literally the only solution or the only conclusion to this was that this was going to blow up. And so I just kept at it. And it seemed like it took forever, almost a year, but then eventually the reels, it was the, it was the perfect time because reels was just starting to go big. And fortunately for me, the algorithm was also really pushing reels. So I just kept at that every day. It took off, it gained traction. And my Instagram went from 700 followers to a hundred thousand followers in about four months. Wow. That's crazy. That can also mess with you a little bit. Was there also this newfound sense of pressure then suddenly having 100,000 eyes on what you're doing? Yes, totally. Especially because the more eyes on your page, the more criticism you get. And that was the one thing I was not prepared for. Not just criticism of the work that I was doing and what I was teaching, but also just the random personal digs. And it just Mm -hmm. tore me open. And so at the beginning, I used to have moments where I would just like be crying to my husband, like people are so mean. And me being a very sensitive person to begin with, I had so much doubt, like, can I even do this? Like, is is an audience of this size even a good fit for me? So there was a lot of self-doubt. But I learned along the way that there are just some real simple barriers that you could or boundaries that you can put in place to kind of help put a blockade between you and mean people on the internet, not just mean people, but also people who just disagree with you. And you have to learn to be okay with that too, because when you're speaking to a a massive amount of people, not everyone's going to agree with you, but people are going to have lots of different takes. And so just learning to be okay with the fact that you're not going to be liked by everybody. It's been, it's been a big one for me. Yeah, I went through something very similar on my previous account that had 30,000 followers on it, which is less than a third of where you found yourself sitting in a very short amount of time. So I can only imagine it's just exponentially more the comments that you get. But it is shocking and it is jarring. And it's kind of this unexpected piece of growing your brand that you're going to get mean comments. That doesn't mean that it's going to be overwhelming, but it's just so unexpected. And you develop such a, a thick skin by doing it. And it really is the only option, right? Because if you let that stuff get to you, you're never going to get anywhere. But all this to say, I have a question. And as you were building this account, you were like, the only thing in my mind was this has to succeed. I'm curious if at that point, when you were so gung-ho about making the reels and making it work, did you already know how you were going to monetize this or that you were going to monetize it at all? Was it a business at that point? Or was that not even on your mind? You just wanted to get this information out there. So from the very beginning, my 
dream, my vision was that I wanted to provide for my family and that I wanted to retire my husband and that I wanted all of us to have this beautiful life at home together as a family. And I make passive income on the internet, right? Like who doesn't want that? That's so cool. And, but it was just very far away. And so I knew that having a presence on Instagram was kind of my first step that like stepping stone to eventually get there. But I had no idea at the time how I would monetize. Originally, I just thought that it would be like a a very influencer thing, like affiliate Mm -hmm. links and and that kind of a thing. And I really didn't have any kind of knowledge about online courses or selling online. But I started to see a lot of people talking about how they were making online courses and making passive income. And so at the same time, when this topic of cyclical fitness really helped my page explode, I was like, well, we're going to go for it. And so I started to design an online course. And that's how KBM originally came to be. It was an online curriculum teaching women how to A, understand their cycles, but then how to implement it for fitness so that they could have a sustainable approach and a strategy moving forward. So it started as an online course. And that's when I realized that this could be a business. This doesn't have to be uh, just an Instagram account or just like me being an influencer. And there's nothing wrong with just being an influencer. But I suddenly saw the potential there of just how big this could grow and how actually that dream of retiring my husband and being able to have financial freedom and travel, like that was actually a thing that was attainable. And I was seeing the proof online of just everyday people, everyday women who just made a decision and said, I'm going to do this. And there's no other option. No is not an option. And so that was so inspirational for me. I was like, let's go, let's do it. I love that. It really is. And I want people to hear that and internalize that of it's a decision. And once you decide of like, this is going to work and that's the only option, you stop having at least to some degree that roller coaster of like, am I doing this or am I not doing this? Am I doing this or I'm not doing this? It's kind of like, a flip switches in your brain, or at least that's how I experienced it. And I've heard other people say the same of like, okay, now this is it. Like, this is the only option. We have to make this work. Exactly. So I love to hear that that was your experience. I want to go back to something that you said a a little bit before that ties into what we're talking about now. But you said this piece of like, I didn't want to lose me being an athlete, but I wanted to start to integrate my cycle into this more was there a lot of research and was there a lot out there for you to turn to as you were crafting this or is it kind of uncharted territory? Because at least when I started to look into it, I couldn't find a lot of advice on how to work out besides, and I know we've talked about this before privately off camera, but it was like, okay, when you have your period, all you can do is walk and like the phase before as well. And there wasn't a lot of like, if you're already working out consistently and if you're already moving your body quite a bit, which I was when I started getting into this when I was a trainer, I was like, well, I don't want to take a week off. There was no blueprint, at least that I could find. So did you have to kind of build the one that you were looking for, build the solution you were looking for as you went to create this? Exactly. So there were sort of two things going on separately. One is that research side that I was talking about before from Dr. Stacey Sims, and there's been tons of other research since her as well, talking, just looking at explicitly what's going on in the female body and what are the outcomes in the different phases of cycle when it comes to things like heart rate variability and recovery metrics and resting heart rate, and then inflammation, things of that sort. And then you also have this cycle syncing model that a lot of people are familiar with. And that term started to blow up on Instagram, social media as well. And just like you were saying, it was a blueprint that was just a kind of a blanket prescription for all women that you walk in your menstrual phase and even in your luteal phase, because once, once you're finished ovulating, then suddenly you just like cannot handle stress and you should only walk and you should not push yourself. And then you can do cardio and weight training in your follicular phase. And so I was looking at these things. And I'm like, this just isn't practical, especially a lot of the recommendations that say, okay, do boxing class here, yoga class here. And I'm like, that, that is a lot of uh, subscriptions and, a lot of classes, and memberships. Yeah. That's a lot of classes. That's <laughs> like really difficult to manage. Not just that, but I'm not interested in any of those things. And you, know, you and I both know as trainers, if someone is not actually interested in it, like you're not going to drag someone into a boxing class just because like it's, you know, optimal. So for me, I, I'm a weightlifting girly and I, I'm not really a cardio person. So I had to literally 
build the blueprint that I was looking for, like you said, because none of it was working for me. None of it was clicking. So I would go through, you know, this resource. And I'm like, mm, nope, that's not it. Or in this resource, I'm like, no, but that's not it. So at the time when I was going through my NASM certification, I was looking at their traditional training model of how you go through different phases of, you know, stability and, and power and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, wait a second, all of these things that they're talking about in the traditional periodization model and periodization is just time blocks of training where you go through various different intensities. It corresponds perfectly to what's actually going on physiologically with the female body. And so all we have to do is just shift the timing of where we're applying these basic principles of training. And you have a perfectly modeled training program for the female body. So it's not this, you know, it's not completely different. These are all concepts that you're probably already doing. It's just changing the timing of them. So yes, I, I literally had to build it from scratch because it just wasn't there. Exactly. But I think that probably added to the virality of your account and your approach and why it was so enticing to women is because there really isn't a good model out there until KBM. There really wasn't something that existed where if you're already active and you already like to lift weights or do high intensity or whatever it is, and you're doing it regularly, what you can do to continue that and not feel like, okay, well, now I got to take a week off and rest and like, that's it, but I don't even want to do that. Like, right. <laughs> it feels good to move my body. That's what I love about your approach. And I would imagine that's what resonates so deeply with other women as well who follow you. I'm curious when it comes to the piece of people disagreeing online, how much of that comes up? Does it, do you think that it comes from a lack of understanding, a lack of research? What has been your experience with people disagreeing? Sure. So honestly, it's it's not happening as much at the very beginning when things were starting to go viral, you know, it just reached more people. But I feel like now the algorithm like shows people who would already agree with this approach, my my content. So thankfully, I'm having to deal with this less and less. But at the beginning, there was quite a bit of it. And I think it's, it's twofold. It's one, it's the traditional, you know, old timers who are like, no, we have to do it this way. There, there is a proven research model for training, and this just this just throws everything off. This doesn't actually affect women. You know, the research is still growing, so we don't actually have a handle on how the menstrual cycle is affecting our body. So let's just not let's just not deal with it. You know, you don't have to worry about it, or that it's an additional barrier to women starting exercise because starting something new is already overwhelming, which I hear, I get that. But when you add this layer on top of it of now you have to also go by your menstrual cycle, that's just going to create additional barriers for women. And so let's just stick to what we already know. So there was, there was that. And there were also the people who interpreted what I was saying as teaching women that they were fragile or that training in accordance with your menstrual cycle was to hinder yourself because you were letting your cycle hold you back. And to a certain extent, there is some narrative that that kind of does sound like that, right? Like, especially like what you're talking about, where you can only walk during your luteal phase, like, no, <laughs> it depends on right. your desires, your goals. And it also depends on your fitness levels. There are so many things going on. What are you dealing with? What is your, what is your actual capacity for stress? So we have to consider all these different nuances, but just putting a blanket statement or just prescribing the same training program for everybody, regardless of, you know, what their actual interests and goals are that, that I don't agree with. So a lot of these things, people are bringing up good points, but overall, I, the way I would respond was like, you can't, you cannot tell a woman how her body feels in the gym throughout the month. Only she can tell you that. And the thing is, is every woman's cycle is going to have a different characteristics. Some people actually feel really energized in their menstrual phase versus really tired in the ovulatory phase. So this isn't about telling women like, oh, you have to do it this way. It's about here's the information, here's how your body is working, here are some options, and what can you do to optimize your experience? At the end of the day, I think it's so much more empowering than it is disempowering to just understand what's going on in your body and why you might feel a certain way at certain points in the cycle. And I think every woman who 
once they start to pay attention to it, if they haven't already, but if you are somebody who works out regularly, you you will notice those fit points in your cycle, whether you were tracking when it's happening or not, or just the days of your workouts where you're like, this didn't feel as easy today. Like this didn't right. feel as good. And I love that you are just giving, like you said in the beginning, literacy to people around, okay, well, here's what's going on in your body and here's why, and here's a way that you can work with it. And you always say something and maybe I'll butcher the exact verbiage that you use, but it's like understanding your body and your physiology. It's not a disadvantage. Like it's not a disadvantage to be female and to have this hormone cycle. It's just different and we need to learn how to leverage it. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly right. So- I love what you're doing. And I'm so glad that you are able to do it with such grace too. I I know that this piece of having the big platform, it can be really jarring sometimes. And it can be really nerve wracking to put something out there that maybe isn't a widely accepted opinion yet, but you do it really beautifully. So I want to commend you on that. I would love to shift the conversation a little bit towards how you balance motherhood, finding time to work out every day, which is such such on par with this conversation, and running a business and being a mom. What does your workouts, if you don't mind sharing, how do you find time to work this into your day? How do you do it? Do you bring your kids with you? I know you have your garage gym. Are they there with you when you work out? What does this look like for you integrating fitness in your life as a mom and as a business owner and a wife? Yes. Well, it's hard. So I'll start with that. (laughs) But routine and building habits has been everything for us. And the cool thing about being a mom and staying home with the kids is that I get to decide what normal is. And I get to decide what's just part of our day. So just how, you know, I've taught my kids that before we go to sleep, we're going to go to the potty and we're going to brush our teeth. That's how working out is for us in our household. It's just part of our day. So usually what I do is after we eat breakfast, I say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the garage and we're going to work out. And they just come with me and they have been in the gym with me since day one. So as soon as I started working out postpartum, I would have them in their little carriers with me in the gym. It's just, it's what we did at the time. I didn't have any childcare, so I didn't have a choice. And also because I was breastfeeding, like I always had to have baby nearby. So it just sort of started that way, but then it stuck. And it's to the point now where it almost doesn't feel right not to have them with me in the gym. So um, fortunately I do have a garage gym, but even before I had an actual garage gym, I would work out in my living room with them. So they have now just accepted that working out is a normal part of our day. They join me. They, you know, sometimes just copy what I'm doing and they actually want to do the skills with me. Um, I actually just ordered them kid size barbells because now my son is super interested in lifting. And for him, it's all because he wants to know what Pokemon characters he is capable of lifting. He has this encyclopedia book and this encyclopedia lists the Pokemon characters height and weight. And so he's like really obsessed with how much these Pokemon weigh. And so we'd be in the gym and he lifts a dumbbell and he was like, well, can I lift, you know, whatever, Charmander now? <laughs> I don't know, some random how character. Cute is that? And so, yeah, so he has his purpose behind it. And so I just ordered him a kid-sized barbell because he asked for one today. But other times they are, you know, riding their bikes in the driveway or they bring toys with them. A lot of times in the beginning, like when they were 18 months, two, even three, I would set up an activity as an option for them to do, whether I put like little road tape on the ground and they would have their little toy cars. I would just put that invitation there, but it was just clear. This is what we're doing. So that's been going on for years now. And that is kind of built into the beginning of our day. And then when they take their naps in the middle of the day, that's when I work. And it does feel like a lot. I feel like I'm always on throughout the day and there's not a whole lot of downtime. But thankfully, being able to exercise gives me more energy and using my cycle with it is making exercise more sustainable for me. So it's really just stacking positives on top of positives there. But I did eventually have to get childcare and get help. And so that's been a huge, huge bonus for me, just having a couple of mornings a week where I do have someone come in and I can get some extra work done because, you know, with a big vision, you you just can't do it all alone. That's something that I've learned, something that you have just nailed into my brain as well. So I'm trying to embrace it, but I'm also getting to the point too, where my kids are old enough where I can have do 30 minutes of work here and there, or I can just this morning, I had them help me film some reels. And so, 
yeah. So I'm trying to bring them into the picture too, make them feel involved. So I'm not always shutting them out of like, mommy has to work now you're not important or I can't pay attention to you, but trying to involve them more. So it's, it's like you said, it's a balance and it's constantly changing. And, you know, with kids, things are always up in the air with illness or tantrums, whatever. We've just, you got to roll with it and see the big picture. Oh my gosh. You make motherhood look so graceful. I have to say, (laughs) I, (laughs) I'm like, I, I want kids someday, or at least at this stage of my life, I believe that I do, but there is a lot of fear baked into it of like, how can you continue to do it all? And I've, there's one thing I've heard from moms and understand and see it's not easy and that you have to give yourself a lot of grace. And I'm always so in awe of everybody that I work with in this field that is doing it and has kids at the same time. But I think it's fantastic and so cool that you're now starting to bring them into even the business too and filming reels with you. But I love, if we're keeping it on the topic of exercise, the idea of just having them in the room with you and be like, this is what we're doing right now. Like, I'm not going to make you do it with me, but I just feel like having that example, they're going to start to model it. And if nothing else, exercise and taking care of yourself and prioritizing your health, it's going to start to be at the forefront of their mind and normalized, which is so cool because so many of us didn't get to have that example growing up not to any fault of our parents, just they didn't have it available with whatever their working model was or whatever it was, right? So that's all very cool. I'm curious if you already have or if you plan to as they get older to teach them about the different cycles of the women's cycle, of the, the different phases of the women's cycle, I should say. Yes, definitely. And actually that conversation has already started because toddlers are just, you know, like they're attached to you. They're like Velcro. <laughs> so if I'm in the bathroom, they're in the bathroom with me. And so of course, when I have my period, they're in the bathroom too. So from the time that they were around two, each of them would see, you know, whatever, changing my sanitary product and then being like, oh my gosh, you have a boo-boo. Are you, you know, they were yeah. at first alarmed mm-hmm. seeing blood. They associated blood with boo-boo. And so that's when I opened up the conversation of, nope, mommy doesn't have a boo-boo. Mommy's okay. This happens every month. This is something, this was blood that was inside my body that, you know, so I explained to them from the beginning that, and tried to normalize the fact that women have periods and that it's not something disgusting. It's not taboo. It's just a normal part of life. And actually that's in part of the process of how they came to be. And so toddlers are just so naturally curious that they just started asking more questions and they, they're so cute. They always wanted to know if I, they can go get a tampon for me. So anytime I would go pee, Aww. they'd be like, do you need a tampon? I'm like, no, not today. Not, not every today. time. Thank you. But thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So they just wanted to be helpful and be involved. And I think that's so important for little boys, especially to grow up knowing that this is just a normal expected part of a woman's life. And that's actually pretty interesting and fascinating, too, because it's part of how they came to be humans in this world. So just sort of, uh, I've been leaning into their curiosity with of how bodies work. And so they're kind of ahead of the game there, at least they know one phase, yeah. but as they get older, absolutely. Just as we would teach kids growing up, how, how their own bodies work and how, you know, different, you know, other physiological systems are happening. That's just part of the conversation. So I don't plan on making it a, a big deal or this like huge thing just to normalize it and include it in any other topic when it comes to, or any of the conversations surrounding exercise and different bodies. Yeah. Cause like you said, it's not a, a big deal. It's not something wrong. It's just, a, it should be a normalized part of the conversation so that we all just understand it better and nobody feels bad about what's going on in their own bodies. So yep. that's very cool. It's very, very forward, but also not at like, it's almost backwards as well. It's what we came from. I it's like, <laughs> I'm like, it's very forward thinking, but it's also very like deep rooted in this is just who we are. Like this is should right. be a normalized part of the conversation. So <laughs> yep. I love it. So I want to go into if somebody is inspired by this conversation, maybe hasn't heard of cyclical fitness before and they want to start getting into it. What does that entrance into this world look like or what's an easy place to start And at the same time, I'm curious how if somebody is on hormonal birth control or different types of birth control right now, how that changes, how they might get into this. Sure. So first of all, there's no 
wrong way to do it. Like we've been talking about before, it's it's not, you know, there are different programs you can follow, but there's no wrong way you can do this. And the very first thing that you should start with is simply tracking your cycle and start to take note and listen and understand to the different ways that your body is responding throughout the four phases. Do I feel more energetic here? Do I feel really tired here? What kinds of things am I drawn to? Am I feeling really open and creative? Am I feeling like really detail oriented? These are all really good things to take note of, especially when it comes to the gym. What is your body gravitating towards? Sometimes I think we've all, you know, experienced this. We walk into the gym and we had a plan to do, you know, 30 minutes on the treadmill or, you know, whatever. And we were like, I just want to go to the weight section or we had planned to do heavy weight lifting and we we're like I kind of just want to hop on the bike for 30 minutes right those are all totally. signals from your body because of the different ways that your metabolism shifts throughout the cycle so first I would just start with a full cycle or even two or three to take note of your patterns throughout the different phases then from there, it, I mean, it depends on your personality. You can go all in, you can dive into KBM and you can try doing it to the T or what you could do is you could just take bits and pieces of it and start implementing it that way, which I think is really helpful because it can be overwhelming at first, especially if it's just completely 180 from what you have been doing. So for example, take the thing that seems the most, like the, the biggest outlier in your cycle for, for example, I feel pretty steady throughout the whole month, except for right before my period, I feel drained. So that's where you would start. You know, it wouldn't make any sense to have this really more extreme experience towards the end of your cycle, but then you want to start with the follicular phase. Just start with the thing that would make the biggest impact for you. And then you can sprinkle in different things from there. But if you are on hormonal birth control, it's going to depend on what kind of medication you're on because they all work a little bit differently. But you would still start the same way with tracking your, your symptoms, tracking your patterns. But in general, if you are on a progestin-only method of birth control, so this would be the mini pill, the uh, hormonal IUD, then those women still typically are pretty close to a natural cycle. And in fact, 50 to 60% will actually still ovulate after having medication for some time. So you may actually still have a cycle. It's just that your medication is preventing pregnancy a different way. It's attacking the implantation process. So if you're on the actual pill, which would be a combination pill, so ones that use both a synthetic progestin and estrogen that's the medication where you don't ovulate. So in that sense, you're not going to go through the four phases. But again, you may still have symptoms and considerations based on your medication. And so you would still want to pay attention to that. It's not that you, you know, don't have a cycle and you can't sit with us kind of a thing. It's, yeah. it's still applicable to you. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of different studies on how hormonal birth control affects us. So for example, if you are on the combination pill, you may want to put a little more effort into recovery and decreasing inflammation because inflammation is higher post-workout if you're on the combination pill. So there are different, you know, kind of different nuances there, but in general, everyone's going to start by tracking their patterns and then start in the place that is going to make the most impact for you. Is there a way that you recommend tracking? Like, are we talking pen and paper? Do you recommend the apps that are out there that are available? Is there a method that you suggest? I suggest pen and paper. And that's just my preference because I I just feel like it sticks better when it's on paper. But the thing with an app is... and with paper too, you can see it all laid out in front of you the whole month, where I feel like in an app, you actually have to go into the different weeks or days to see the symptoms that you logged. That Mm. being said, I love the app. It's free called Stardust because it actually gives you a visual of your different hormone levels and what actual phase you're in. So most cycle trackers are just going to tell you what cycle day you're on, but the Stardust app actually shows you the phase and then like what your hormones are doing, gives you cute little blurbs as well about your phase. So I recommend that app if you like an app, but just to be aware it's, this is not a method of birth control when you're just using an app to track your cycle day. It cannot actually predict your fertile window accurately all of the time because your cycle is a very dynamic biomarker, right? It's always changing in response to your stress levels. And so it cannot always tell you when you've ovulated or when your period is coming. So don't rely on that for birth control. That's my disclaimer, but it's a good way just to see 
your cycle day right in front of you and what your corresponding phase is. But in terms of tracking the symptoms, I'm always going to be a pen and paper person just to see the whole month laid out in front of you. Yeah. Okay. We'll link that app in the show notes for everybody if they're interested in checking it out. You though, you just started using, is it Whoop, that fitness tracker? Yes, I did. How have you? <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> How have you liked it? And what does it track in terms of the cycle for you? Yeah. So it was super interesting. I wanted to get it just because I was curious from like just a to do an experiment to see what different biomarkers would change throughout my cycle. And I think it's still in its learning phase. I've only been using it for a week or two, but it does mm-hmm. have a section in there called menstrual cycle coaching. And it, you can put in your last um, menstrual cycle and it will tell you what cycle day you're on, but then it also gives you this meter of your strain tolerance. And so it's been pretty accurate in terms of what we just know in terms of our, you know, our stress tolerance and, you know, whatnot through the cycle. So it told me in the week before my period last week that my strain tolerance was low. And then it actually gives you a recovery number. And of course, with all fitness trackers, you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt, right? Like it's not going to be accurate all the time. But in the week before my period last week, my recovery numbers were in the red every single day was like, I would wake up. And even though I had gotten a full night of sleep, I was still in the red in terms of being recovered. And it would tell me, now is a good day to, to rest, or, you know, you might want to only go up to this level of strain and it gives you like this huge range. But it was like, if someone didn't know anything about the menstrual cycle, like it's completely mimicked what we already know about that late luteal Mm. phase. So I thought that was really interesting. So I'm just going to keep playing with it, but it's going to tell you your heart rate variability, your resting heart rate. It can track your temperature, but it doesn't, I do not believe it tracks temperature like the aura ring does in terms of it giving you your basal body temperature to confirm that you've ovulated. So that's one difference there, but you have to double check me on that. But it gives you all the different kinds of biomarkers, just like looking at your vital signs truly and then it kind of generates how much sleep you need based off of how how strained you were that day, how much work you did. So it's pretty cool. That is cool. I'm a data girly, so I love to see the charts. <laughs> I'd love to yeah, have things that are I like, know. And <laughs> yeah, I'm a data person too. But then again, I am always that person who is trying to disprove the data. Like I'm always looking for, for holes in it where I was like, but actually, and interestingly, one of the days where it told me that I had recovered the poorest, I actually had felt like I finally got some energy when I woke up. So I was like, okay, whoop, thanks for the info, but I'm actually going to ignore you today and listen to what my body is telling me because I felt pretty energized and ready to go weight train that day where my whoop was advising me to rest. So, you know, take with Hmm. a grain of salt. Yeah, that's so interesting. But it all just comes back to everything we're talking about here of learning to understand your body and drop into it and and feel the different things that you're feeling and be able to recognize them, which it brings me to what I want to start to close with here, which is talking a little bit more about your app. Because from what I know about it so far, it's no matter if you are on hormonal birth control, or if you're not, if you're tracking your cycle, or if you haven't started yet, you have found a way to make it very easy for somebody to dive into cyclical fitness and understanding and leveraging these different phases, no matter what experience level they're at. So can you tell me a little bit more about your app, your KBM app, and how you break it down inside? Sure. So the main feature inside the app is the membership where you have access to four different workout vaults that correspond to the four different menstrual phases. And here's a little spoiler alert is that I don't actually program broken down by the phases as described in a textbook, but it's actually, there's a lot of overlap with the phases and um, overlap with how exercise and the phases interact. So it's not going to be just follicular phase, ovulatory phase, but there's going to be uh, a range for you of if you're between cycle days three and nine, this workout vault is going to be best for you if you're between days 10 and 16 and so on and so forth. So there's that way to do it. You can simply just head into the workout vault if you know your cycle day, but then you can also go off of your energy level. And so the workout vaults are tailored to, yes, these really small details in terms of how your metabolism is shifting through the cycle. But it's also just, if you zoom out, 
for energy levels too, because that's a huge part of how we, you know, shift throughout the cycle is our energy levels and what we're feeling up to and how much we have left in the tank after a workout. So in the build vault that's built for the follicular phase, that's going to be your moderately intense workout vaults. So depending on, you know, you could be on hormonal birth control, you could actually be in your menstrual phase, but feel really energetic that day. So there's that openness and flexibility option there too, that you can still go into whatever vault you're feeling up to. But then you also have the ovulatory phase vault called peak, and that's going to be a very high intensity workout vault. That's where hit workouts live. That's where really heavy weight sessions live. And even going back to the follicular phase vaults, I've got guided runs in there if you wanted to get some cardio in. I didn't leave the cardio people out, even though I'm not a cardio person. <laughs> I'm a cardio uh, then, Yes, I know. I, don't, I will never understand you. <laughs> But then the next phase is the luteal phase workout vault, which is called steady. That is when things start to decrease in intensity a little bit. We're going to be doing more endurance work. So muscular endurance, getting some light cardio in there. If you've heard of lists, then that's going to be in there too, which is low intensity, steady state Mm -hmm. exercise. And then finally, the ease vault is for the menstrual phase, but it's actually not just the menstrual phase. It's that late luteal through the earliest days of your bleed. So it's going to be around days 24 to day two of the next cycle. That's when a lot of people go into the ease vault because it's the lowest energy vault. That's where we're doing mobility and we're doing stability and we're doing lightweight sessions and we're focusing, we're honing in on a lot of the little details there or those workouts where you're like, do I really have to work my uh, adductors and my calves? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of your body. We're going to train them, but let's just make it make sense and do it. Those low boring uh, exercises in a day where you're not going to feel up for doing something super high intensity and high, high energy anyways. So it's just about making it make sense and incorporating all these different parts of fitness that you should already be curious about if you want to be well-rounded and stay healthy and stay fit and not neglect any part of your training, but we're just making it make sense in the context of your menstrual cycle and your energy levels and then what your body's actually primed to do and recover from at that time. So it's just about making it make sense. Hashtag make it make sense. That's what I I want to hone in on there. Yeah. I'm like truly nodding along as you're saying that because it is so almost so beautifully simple that it's like, why did we ever exercise a different way? And as somebody who I find I'm pretty even keel. Like I definitely notice a a peak of energy in my ovulatory phase. But aside from that, I'm pretty even right until the end of my luteal. And then it's like, I got nothing through day one of my period. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Until I understood that. It was always so confusing of like, what's going on? But now I know without a shadow of a doubt where I am in my cycle, even if I'm not like actively paying attention to my tracking, if I start to notice that energy drop, I'm like, oh, we're almost at our menstruation phase. Like we're almost there. (laughs) But to be able to go into the app and just say like, okay, here's where my energy is. I don't even need to know necessarily where I am in my cycle. I can just go off of how I feel that day. I think that's such a smart and approachable way to do it. That makes it really easy for everybody who's logging in. So yeah, beautiful. If somebody is brand new to working out, is this something that's accessible to them as well? Yes, 100%. Because the way I program my workouts in terms of intensity is going off of a concept called RPE, which is rate of perceived exertion, which is assigning it's a it's a scale from zero to 10, 10 being your absolute maximum effort where you can only sustain it for a couple of seconds. Um, think all out sprint or a one rep max back squat, right? Where you can only complete one full rep and you almost failed, but you, you made it. That would be 10 RPE. So if I'm saying work at around a, an RPE of five, that means you'd have about 50% left in the tank at the end, or you'd be able to do five more reps at the end of the set. That's going to be completely different. It's going to look different from you know, the brand new to fitness woman and the person who's an elite athlete. And they're going to both be working just as hard, but it'll look different. So working at an RPE of five for Tia Tumi, who just, who won the CrossFit games, like what, six years in a row, her RPE five is probably squatting something around like 200 pounds, right? Like, or, you know, whatever (laughs) that's totally out there, but for someone else that might be body weight, right? So, and you're both working just as hard. So you're actually able to get the same thing out of, of the workout, no matter what your fitness level is. And it's just 
making the workout meet you where you're at instead of you having to rise to the occasion of the workout, right? I think it's a, a big piece of intimidation when it comes to fitness is like, can I do that? Am I capable of doing that? So not only can you always modify the movements and I offer modifications if that's, you know, if it's a more advanced move. And so cyclical fitness isn't about doing more advanced things. So intensity and skill level completely separate. It's actually about the effort that you're putting in. So you can modify the actual movement for your skill level, and then you can also you know, decrease weight or how much effort you're putting into to meet that RPE guidance so that we're, we're getting the same thing out of the workout. Perfect. So all ability levels are welcome. Yeah. So inclusive. I love it. Okay. So at this point, Courtney, I would say it's pretty safe to say that you are no longer influencer Courtney, at this point, it feels like you are really building a movement of empowering women with this information about their bodies. Where do you see this going? Or where do you dream of taking this? If you could take this as far as you could, or just even what are your hopes for spreading this information even further? I'm just so curious, what's next for you and where you have your sights with getting this information out into the world? Yeah, that's a great question. So first and foremost, I want KBM or cyclical fitness just to be a household term. I want it to be something that everyone understands, especially trainers. I want them to have this information so that that's actually a piece of the puzzle for all trainers moving forward who have female clients, for them to be able to understand that the way they program, even though it might be an additional piece to their programming, is just as important as it, you know, whatever else that you're assessing, the menstrual phase being a piece of your physical assessment. And so I just want that to be completely normalized and expected moving forward in in the world of fitness. I, I want there to be just the the tape ripped off of the mouths of women who feel like they can't even talk about this, especially women who are on a, an elite stage who, I don't know if you've seen the famous pictures of the women running in, in races with blood on their shorts. And just for us to be able to freely talk about this and how it does affect our experience and for it not to have to be this major news story that a woman competed during her period, right? It doesn't have to be this shocking yeah. thing, but that we can just accept this as a part of, you know, how we approach training for women. And this honestly, you know, like I said in the beginning, I don't dream in in small realms. I dream in the big. I see this going into books. I see this in documentaries. I see this being worldwide. And actually, I already have clients in KBM all over the world. I think we have over 20 countries represented in KBM. Yeah. So it is it is already happening. It's already growing and expanding. And over the past year alone, I've seen such an incredible transformation in the way that women are even talking about this just in comments on Instagram or in DMs. It's no longer like, oh, whoa, this is a thing. It's, oh, yeah, I noticed this too. And there's just, there's the filters have been removed. And so I'm already seeing it start to happen. And I just can't wait to see where where women go. And I always tell this to the KBM community is like, this isn't about me and how much I can to grow this. It's about you all. It's about the community. It's about you are growing this. Like anybody who tries cyclical fitness, anybody who just decides to track their cycle and see that is the movement there. That is the expansion. So it's cool to think about it in, in terms of the community making the movement happen, not me or anybody else talking about this. So I'm putting it into your audience's hands now. You're, you are the movement too. I love that. And it really it really is a movement just to really anchor that in. Like you said, it's so much bigger than you or than me or even this podcast. The more women are talking about it, the more women are going to be empowered with this information and feel more agency over what's going on in their own bodies. And they're going to be able to be more consistent with workouts and see better results, which just makes us feel better and feel stronger overall. So I'm so excited as well to see where this goes and where your brand continues to grow and what you continue to do for everyone in your community. So Courtney, thank you so much for coming on today. This was a beautiful conversation. If people are eager to learn more about the app and to get involved in your membership, what's the best place for them to find you and how can they get started? 
Yes. So thank you so much, Emily. This conversation has been awesome as per usual with you, but you can find me on Instagram at Courtney Keeping Balance. You can go to any app store, whether it's the Apple store or the Google store. If you search Keeping Balance Method, it is a free app to download. There's a free welcome course if you wanted to get started learning about your phases and about how it interacts with exercise, or you can go to my website, CourtneyKeepingBalance.com. Fantastic. All right, you guys, as always, we will link that all down in the show notes for you. Please go connect with Courtney, send her a DM, let her know what your biggest takeaway from this episode was. I love to hear your guys' reflections as well. Courtney, thank you again. And everyone, I will see you in the next episode. Thanks, Emily. Hey, before you go, I've got two quick things for you. Number one, I want to say thank you so much for being here. It truly means the world to me that you choose to spend your time here listening to these conversations, tuning in with me, soaking up all of this information and everything that we are going through together. I cannot express how much gratitude I have for you for being here on this journey with me. With that said, number two, the second thing I have for you is I want to make sure that since you're here, you have my phone number. Seriously, I have an inner circle daily text list where every single day, Monday through Friday, I send out a positive affirmation or a journal prompt or something I've been thinking about, or even an aha moment that has completely shifted my perspective that I want to share with you too. So you can share in on everything that I am working on to grow and continue evolving and continuing to be the best version of myself. I want to share those things with you. And the best place to do it is through this inner circle daily text list. So if you want to get on this list, if you want to receive these messages from me, and again, yes, it's really me. It's coming straight from my phone. What you need to do is text the word community to my number at 213-606-3853. Again, that's the word community to my number 213-606-3853. As soon as you send me over that tax, I will send you a message back with the quick details to officially register for this inner circle daily text list. And once you are all registered, we are ready to get to texting. The messages all go straight to my phone. I see all of the replies. I look at them. I send you messages back. So it is such a great way for us to connect and continue to work on our growth together. So go ahead and shoot me that message ASAP so that we can get connected.